Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We can make the intro play. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now, to Dave Hooker. Ready. Look at Caleb Calhoun. He's ready to go with a sports coat. I went with a button-up shirt, so must be another edition of the show as we, we try to look nice. Uh, welcome to the program. We appreciate you being a part of it. Love your comments on the message board. Love the reaction. It's been a fantastic run, and we continue to grow. The subs keep coming in, and we thank you. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We want you to be a part of this program and a part of what we do at Off the Hook Sports, and that includes the Vol Report with Cooper Mays, brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, the Vol Report with Jacob Warren, brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden, and the long-awaited Celebrate 98 Series set to begin this week. So we're excited. On the show today, can you believe it's been 25 years since the Vols won a national title, Caleb? I mean, it was, I was 10. And <laughs> I, I got to be honest, the crazy thing is like, I mean, my intro to Tennessee was like the towards the end of the Peyton Manning years. And I'm like, this is just par for the course, right? This is just what Tennessee football does. I mean, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. And then... <laughs> Just how they roll. And then you went through the decade of dysfunction, as uh, Mark Nagy called it in his book. I still haven't read that book. I need to ask Mark how how well that sold, because I'll be honest with you. I don't know that a lot of people would want to read about the decade of dysfunction, but we don't even have to talk about the decade of dysfunction because of all's cruising right along. And we're going to get to that. So today, a national outlet says that Nico, let me make sure we get this right, um, Nico will be the starter. Quick tease on that, Caleb. What? Yeah, that's ambitious. Now, some of this outlet has um, – these are hot, fiery takes for every team in the SEC. So there's some other crazy ones that I, that I, I, I actually believe a little more than this one, but we'll go through them. Okay. Well, and and while one analyst is uh, high on Hendon Hooker, says it's his favorite pick of the draft. He is from ESPN, and also is the Big Ten closing the talent gap 
on the SEC and the NFL. The numbers would lead you to believe so. However, I'm not quite to that point. And then the college football playoff schedule for 2024 and 2025 is out. So we've got a lot going on. We begin with today's tough question, and it's brought to you by our friend at AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. Is Tennessee's offense too gimmicky? That's the question I have for you, and that's the question that Josh Heupel was asked earlier this week at the Big Orange Caravan Chattanooga stop, as a matter of fact, brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Best prices, best service in the biz. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. He's been my realtor. He can save you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars over 40 years of experience in the Knoxville area. So here we go. Today's tough question is Josh Heupel's offense too gimmicky. Why does this come up now? Well, it comes up because you have a handful of skill position players that go in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. And Josh Heupel defended his track record on preparing players for the NFL, saying, quote, Man, like 10 years ago, I think there was a trickle-down effect from the NFL to college. I think the, the exact opposite in today's landscape. Over the last three cycles or three drafts, we've had five wide receivers selective. I've had more wide receivers drafted in the last three years than any college coach. I think that speaks to what we're doing, how we're developing those players, those guys understanding coverages concepts, but also how to beat man coverage. That can be press. That can be off technique. That doesn't just happen by accident, so I think – what we do does translate and how those guys have been developed. The offense gimmicky. I'll just ask you that question flat out. Caleb Calhoun, what say you? It's not gimmicky the way a Mike Leach offense is or anything like that. It's a little gimmicky though. And Josh Heibel can take offense to that, but it's a little gimmicky in the sense of it's a scheme that hasn't been figured out, which kudos to Josh Heibel that it hasn't figured out, but it just, it schemes receivers to be wide open downfield. And when I think gimmicky, I'm thinking, okay, it's very, you're not, these receivers are getting open partially because of their speed, but they're not getting open because they're just that much more talented than every other receiver in, in college football. They're getting that open because Josh Heibel is scheming them open in a pretty simplistic way that honestly, nobody can figure out yet. And I, I want to bring this up with Josh. A lot of respect. I think it's great for the college game. Josh is adaptable. He's not like – it's not like he's three plays. and It's not like the triple option where you either hand it to the fullback, you pitch it, or you throw it. It's not that. But, yeah, he's had five receivers taken in the first – taken in the NFL draft the past three years. The first one that he's talking about was 2021. Two UF, UCF receivers, Jacob Harris and Trey Nixon, have been taken. Combined, they have one catch for six yards in three years in the pros or two years in the pros. So we, we can call it, we can say that it's not gimmicky like Mike Leach, but we still, and he can talk about his receivers getting drafted. We kind of need to see them actually produce in the NFL though. That's fair. Uh, Mike Leach is, first of all, college football is somewhat gimmicky right now. I was talking with a former coach that said they bastardized the rules. Can I say that on the YouTube they bastardized the rules in, in in order to get more scoring, 
What does that mean? That means offensive linemen and RPOs are allowed more freedom to go further downfield, and it puts uh, really the defense in a strain. So college football is gimmicky to some extent. Josh Heupel is taking advantage of that. And I love what you brought up as far as figuring it out. And we had Billy Bob on the message board bring up Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly's offense was ahead of the curve. It was eventually figured out. The triple option was ahead of the curve way back when, before we were all born, and it was eventually figured out. The no, running- they changed the rules and put cut blocks in and banned cut blocks. That's why the triple option fell out. <laughs> right. The run and shoot was, you could call it gimmicky. Eventually, it we, we saw that it wasn't the answer to offensive woes. So is it gimmicky? No, I think it's taken advantage of some gimmicky rules in terms of offensive linemen, and it might not be figured out for a decade. All of the offenses that I mentioned, including Chip Kelly, they weren't figured out for double-digit years, Caleb. So even if it is, who cares? I mean, gimmicky almost sounds like a shot. Gimmicky, though, is about this close. And for you on our YouTube channel, I'm holding my my forefinger and my thumb about an inch apart. Gimmicky is about that close to innovative. So, I mean, translate that into innovative and suddenly you should be sky high on Josh Heupel. I don't care what term you use. He's taking advantage of the system as it is. And unless rules change, like shift in baseball, unless the rules change, he's going to continue to take advantage of that and be very happy that you have that coach taking advantage of it, Caleb. So this to me is is a lot of talk about, quite frankly, not much of anything because uh, USC, Southern California is running that type of offense. Oklahoma is trying to run that type of offense. TCU, not exactly the same. I don't mean this as, as a shot at the late Mike Leach. His offense was truly gimmicky, and they were going to do what they did regardless of the rules, regardless of the success level of it. Josh Heupel has evolved his offense to this point, and I believe he could evolve it if the rules changed. So you want to call it gimmicky, I don't care. I've got, you know, It just doesn't make a big difference to me. I, I think that this offense is incredibly productive, And I think it will be incredibly productive for at least five to eight years. And unless there's a rules change specifically to the offensive lineman in the RPO game, I think they're fine. Also, this offense is solid in the run game, which that doesn't sound gimmicky to me, Caleb. Yeah, I agree. The the underrated part of this offense that we always talk about is there's so much balance. I think when we talk about gimmicks with offenses, when you go through history, Here's the mark of whether or not it can an offense be gimmicky. Yes. That doesn't mean the coach running the offense is gimmicky, but you're right. Rest in peace, Mike, rest in peace, Mike Leach. He was gimmicky in the sense that, like you said, he stuck to his guns, no matter what Josh Heupel, we're talking about already. They're talking about tailoring their game plan a little bit this year for Joe Milton, as opposed to what Hinton Hooker did last year. They changed up what they did in the orange bowl with Joe Milton versus what they were doing all year with Hinton Hooker. So they do tailor to their personnel which is which makes it not as gimmicky. And the other mark of a great coach, I guess you should say, is when their offense is figured out, can they adapt? I just talked about how the cut block really 
the the ban on cut blocks really no pun intended cut the legs out from under the triple option you know what tom osborne did he adapted and still was able to run that thing for 15 to 20 years and win three national titles because he recruited the right players to do it we talk about how john chavis told you that everybody had figured out steve spurrier by 1999 you know what spurrier did he went to south carolina completely changed his offense and had probably the best 10-year run any coaches ever had at South Carolina or ever will have at South Carolina. Sorry, Gamecock fans. And- no, I agree. John John with a great point. So he, he posted the definition of gimmick. Gimmick is – so I'm, I'm going to change my stance just a little bit. The definition of gimmick – thank you, John – for the purpose of attracting attention and that has no other purpose or value. Of course it has purpose and value, John says. It does. So if that's, I didn't know that was the exact definition of gimmick, but if that's the exact definition of gimmick, then I'm saying H to the double no, that it's not a gimmick. It's innovative. So my stance is firmly absolutely not given that definition. Again, we love the message board. Given that definition, which I didn't look up, no, it's, it's absolutely not gimmicky well given that definition though because i don't think we all i don't think we ever use it in that way because given that definition no offense is gimmicky because every coach runs an offense because they're trying to win i mean it's not like they're doing it for attention well no but he said for the purpose of attracting attention so i know i don't think every coach runs an offense just to attract attention i think they i think every coach runs an offense because they're trying to win with that offense right so by that definition no offense is gimmicky because nobody's going out there to attract attention. That's something you would do in the XFL. Um, right. And, and, and the definition that he posted has no other purpose or value. Well, they have it has purpose to score. It has value 11 games last year. The other thing that I found really interesting is in his quote, he talked about the trickle down and trickle up. There's been a trickle up going from high school to college to the NFL for years. I used to cover a ton of high school football games, and I'm telling you, everybody, especially in Kentucky for some reason, everybody ran Hal Mummy and Mike Leach's old offense. They ran the spread. They ran tempo. They did all these things, and it somewhat trickled up to college. Trickled up, trickled down. Goes both ways. It's oversimplifying it to say it just goes one way at one particular time, but Caleb, this is an offense that is somewhat run, at least by the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. And this is, if you look at the NFL, they're the Philadelphia Eagles. There are the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm not saying they're running an offense, the same offense as Heupel, but they are running innovative offenses. At the end of the day, there is not really a pro-style offense anymore because I think that coaches are less afraid to do things that are a little bit different. That's not gimmicky. Yeah, it's the pro-style is relative. I still think there is one, but there's no need to put it, there's no need to have to expand your playbook to such lengths when you can get a because another one, the Ravens, when you can get a Lamar Jackson, tailor the offense to him in the NFL. And we're in a perfect system. A Josh Allen, again, 20 years ago, Josh Allen would never have been an NFL quarterback. He wasn't accurate and not the best decision maker. We might be talking about him as, if not for Patrick Mahomes, he might be the best quarterback in the NFL now. And so that's, that is where things have changed a lot. The only thing I would say with Heifel, and yes, by the definition of gimmick, no coach is gimmicky. I don't think college football fans or analysts or ourselves use the term gimmicky in that way. We use the term gimmicky as, 
we we mean it something a little bit different, you know, maybe maybe lack of development, more about just pure scheme and not actually tailoring it to players or responding to defenses or things like that. That's what I would think with gimmicky. I would say in that case, it's a little bit only because again, from the UCF days, we haven't seen a hypo offensive player shine in the NFL just yet. I think that's going to change, but we still haven't seen one yet. Vilas Jones Jr. has had the most production of any hypo receiver in the NFL and he might see more next year, but so we have to wait and see what happens. B- because remember, the, the, they're not like the, remember Nebraska in the '90s, or actually, I'll even say it, the fun and gun. The reason we all called the fun and gun gimmicky was because no Florida quarterback ever made it in the NFL. And not only did they not make it in the NFL, we all knew they weren't going to make it in the NFL. Shane Matthews wasn't even drafted. And, and I'll add to that, Spurrier, nobody else could run it. Nobody else ran the fun and gun, so if you want to call that gimmicky, you can. I'm going to use the word innovative, and I'm going to reach out to everyone on the message board to go ahead and pick. Um, Tell me what you ultimately think of this offense. Pick an adjective. I'm going to go innovative and H-no to a gimmicky. Um, Let me throw it at you, Caleb, if if you need a second. Pick an adjective to describe this offense. Other than innovative, I took that. Well, okay, I can't use innovative. But, I mean, like, all forms of innovative, uh, like, all gimmicky offenses we're talking about were innovative at a time. I mean, when Robert Nalen brought the single wing to Tennessee in 1926, that was innovative. That That was not a thing. And then Tennessee stuck with it, and it fell out of favor in the 60s. And what does Doug Dickey do? He comes in and brings back the T formation, which, by the way, for those who don't know, the T was the original formation, like the oldest style of offense in college football. And Doug Dickey, that it came back and became fashionable again in the 60s. So, I mean, can I say fashionable? I like fashionable. I like that. Uh, D says versatile. I think I like that one a lot. Travis says ingenious. I like that uh, as well. And Rebecca says, what will they call us when we do have players in the NFL that are successful? So that is the next step. But at the in the end of the day, it's nice watching Jason Witten and the late Reggie Watt have success in the NFL. But ultimately, what do you care most about? You care most about what they do in college, right? Yeah, but we've talked about this. To keep getting the personnel you need, you need the success in the NFL if you're going to compete with the Georges and the LA. I agree. I agree with that. J Max says electric, traditional, innovative, and exciting. So we'll roll with all those portions of the program brought to you by Zul Beer, XULBeer.com, worldwide award winning craft beer, and they have panoramic views downtown. Here's another one evolutionary. That's a really good one. Uh, so go ahead, take part, throw those adjectives out. We'll continue to readdress them. But ZulBeer.com, XULBeer.com. Again, Downtown, they are absolutely phenomenal. You will love it. So Matt Miller of ESPN named Hendon Hooker his favorite overall pick of the 2023 NFL draft. I hate it, as I said, and I got ripped on the YouTube message board, and I knew I would, and I got ripped on Twitter. That's fine. I hated that Hendon Hooker went to the Detroit Lions. I don't want to have that conversation right now but and they may turn things around history would indicate not 
I ho- certainly hope they do, and nothing for the best for for Hendon Hooker because I think he's a great person uh, as much as anything. Not necessarily because he, he went to Tennessee, as I, I think those that have followed us realize we're pretty objective here. But what did you think of Matt Miller naming Hendon Hooker his favorite pick of the NFL draft? I was shocked, but then I think of Matt Miller as probably somebody that there were two types of analysts out there. There was the Mel Kuyper Jr. that doesn't do his research and just studies like, oh, any hyper quarterback looks like this. And then there was the Matt Miller. And a lot of people were more like Matt Miller, including Pat McAfee, Josh Pate. Give me a few shout outs here that basically we're talking about they were in love with the way Hendon Hooker played and thought that he was honestly outside of Bryce Young had a case over any other quarterback in the draft. I think you and I were in that camp. Right. Like outside of Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker had a case over any other quarterback. If you're in that camp and you see Hendon Hooker go in the third round, you see the ultimate steal at the position. Now, the thing that he mentioned that kind of threw me off a little bit was he did say the Lions have a real opening for a quarterback of the future behind Jared Goff. And that's what I kind of thought because he has two years left on his deal. But news came out yesterday that Goff and the Lions are talking about an extension which kind of threw me off a little bit. I thought they were going to let golf play out his contract and then just move on and go to Hendon Hooker. And so I kind of, at that point, the excitement I felt for Hooker going to Detroit subsided a little because I'm like, okay, why are they working on this contract extension now with golf? Shouldn't they make him play it out and try to get the extension? And it leads me to maybe you're right, Dave. Maybe they're still incompetently run because this is, they have golf locked in for two years. Why would they give him the extension now? Well, I want to see the parameters of the extension, okay? My guess is that it'll be guaranteed for two years and not guaranteed for four or five. And all of these, there really is no salary cap in the NFL. You can circumvent that in a number of ways with back-loaded deals, front-loaded deals. So I want to see where the golf deal is. Is it front-loaded? Is it back-loaded? My guess is that, listen, Golf is suddenly getting a little bit older. You don't have a long run in the NFL. And he's suddenly a bit tarnished because you look at what the Rams were able to do without him. And I think he wants to get paid. So I think he'll want to get paid on a front-end contract. And I really don't think it affects Hendon Hooker whatsoever. Um, I I really don't. Now, if, if they come out with a $240 million contract and 200 is guaranteed, well, that's bad news. But I don't think that's going to happen. If so, you have to come back to me and say the Lions were the wrong organization, right? Oh, I, I will I will totally concede that. If they give Jared Goff a $240 million deal, like absolutely I will. I mean, yeah, I'll be right there with you. Shockingly to me, though, he's outlasted Carson Wentz. They were the top two picks of that draft, and Jared Goff actually ended up being more effective. But <laughs> um, I, I, I think that I, 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 I could, we'll have to see how this plays out. You're right. So, what do you what do you think are fair expectations for Hendon Hooker? Um, well, career this one, year. You're one. Well, you're one, two, three. What should his goals be? Well, Hendon Hooker's personal goal should be to win the job now because that's what a quarterback should always be thinking. I mean, they you should never you should never accept holding a clipboard. That doesn't mean you leave if you hold the clipboard, but you should always be trying to win the job, particularly in the NFL. Tom Brady did not sit there and say, I'll wait till Drew Bledsoe's contract is up. He's like, no, I'm going to beat out Drew Bledsoe. And the minute Bledsoe got hurt, Tom Brady came in and the rest is history. So that's where it should be. Now, in terms of what the reasonable expectations are, 
I think riding the bench this year. I mean, I mean, not even seeing the field because Hendon Hooker has a lot of things he's got to work on, including foot, you know, particularly footwork, some accuracy things over the middle. There's this is the Aaron Rodgers rookie year in Green Bay. They've got to retool a lot of Hendon Hooker's fundamentals. I think next year, which is the last year on Goss contract, as of right now, see him be the regular backup, come in for certain plays. Goff will probably get hurt here and there, and Hooker comes in, takes snaps at different times, and you can see flashes in year two. I think it's fair to expect him to be the starter by year three. I've been pretty big on I, – I, I think Hooker should be the starter by year three. I'm going to tell you, I think reasonable expectations is he takes over the starting job in year two. And I'm basing that, and it might be midway through year two, Mm -hmm. I'm basing that off Hendon Hooker. Because Hendon Hooker is highly intelligent and a hard worker. So he is going to exceed expectations. So for most individuals picked in the third round, I would say you're absolutely right. Third round or later, NFL quarterback, there's not pressure financially to get you into the lineup. So year three, fine. But I think with Hendon Hooker and his ability to adapt, remember this is a guy that had accuracy issues this time last year, Caleb. His ability to adapt, I think it's reasonable to expect him to be the Lions starter by midway through the 2024 season. I don't think that's a reach. And Mr. Jones agrees with me, starts midseason week nine or ten. No, I think he means this year. I would be very surprised if he starts this year, barring injury. Yeah, there's a lot of mechanical things Hooker needs to work on this year. As a matter of fact, I think for his sake, you don't want him starting this year. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Hooker is probably ma- – although I don't know. What do you think, Dave? I do think Hendon Hooker has the Peyton Manning level of maturity, whereas if he played horrible, he would be one of those people like Peyton Manning that could absorb the negativity that comes with playing horrible and use it to better himself. I think Hendon Hooker is that type of quarterback, but I, I still don't want to see his confidence wreck too much playing this year. No, I mean, Peyton Manning set the record for most interceptions in a year, his rookie year. I I don't think that you want to see Hendon Hooker go through that. What you do want to see is better vision without contacts and without glasses. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn is phenomenal. I had LASIK. I have zero issues with my vision up close, far away. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn, they've got the vision centers for your annual checkups, but they also can do – fantastic work with LASIK and cataract surgery as well. I don't think it's in again, Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Hunt. It's not a disappointment, Caleb, if Hendon Hooker is not a starter till year three whatsoever. So while I believe that he will at some point in year two, which would be 2024, take over the starting job from golf. I don't want this to be looked at as, you know, a year and a half from now, somebody says, Dave, you said he would. So now he's a disappointment. It's not a disappointment if he runs out there at some point in year three as the starter. No, it's not a disappointment at all if he does that. I mean, I think that's the trajectory that he's on. I think that's Detroit's trajectory. Look, again, they it's no secret that – I mean, it's no coincidence that golf has a two year two years left on his deal and they take a quarterback that we all agree is somewhat of a project. That's usually two to three years sitting on the bench waiting your turn to start. And so I think – We'll have to see how it goes. I will say if if Hooker is inserted into the starting lineup midway through year two and he's ready to go, prepare for a Jalen Hurts type of splash. And I only say that because 
quarterbacks with this level of mobility almost always their first year starting when they're inserted how many times do they catch defensive coordinators off guard and do they have a monstrous like first year starting because mobile quarterbacks are oftentimes in the nfl they do get figured out and i'm not saying hooker is like a, a run first quarterback he's not i'm saying quarterbacks with that level of mobility the mobility factor usually does get figured out but it takes defensive coordinators a year how many run first quarterbacks have had a splash amazing first year and, you know, never really replicated that after that. Here's the thing to, to watch with Hooker, And this is what they did with Jalen Hurts at Philadelphia. And I do not want to paint Hooker as a running quarterback because he's not. Jalen Hurts was a pure running quarterback when he was in college and came to the NFL that could throw. Uh, Hooker is a thrower that can run. There's a big difference. Um, so... Hendon Hooker, you can utilize his running ability early in his career to move people around and, and to put the pressure on the defense because you've got another ball carrier to keep track of. But that can evolve over time. And that's what they've done with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, um, and if you want to say uh, at the Baltimore Ravens, oh gosh, his name suddenly escapes me, quarterback. Oh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. They did the same thing with him. So he he came out and he was initially a runner, and then he has turned into a very good passer. They could do that with him. The NFL is better equipped to handle running backs than they have been at any point in its history. So I think as long as they they approach this the right way, the best case scenario is that he doesn't play at all as a rookie, like Caleb said. I agree with that. Let's let's get some things worked out. Let's get him used to the NFL game. You don't have to play right away. If golf goes down, you have to run him out there. But in year two, you could have an approach where you, you base a lot on his running ability, and then you adapt it to more of a passing attack. Caleb Calhoun is telling me that the Big Ten is closing the talent gap on the SEC. That may be a big what the H coming up, but – First, let me tell you a little something about Bassey Lawn and Garden. We'll be back in two minutes. To own the more that owns every job, then get the Bassey Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Bassey, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment 
into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. What's up, everybody? This is University of Tennessee tight end Jacob Warren, proud to announce that I'll be working with Craven Wings again this season. And I want you to give your all and try my signature sauce, Sauce 87, at either of the Craven Wings' two locations, Chapman Highway in Seymour and South North Shore Drive at the Market Tochoto. When you're Craven Wings, it's got to be Craven Wings. Online at CravenWings.com. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Excuse me. Some interesting numbers that Caleb Calhoun pulled up is the Big Ten closing the talent gap on the SEC. So throw these numbers at me because the SEC once had a pretty significant lead over the Big Ten as far as players in the NFL draft. But what does history tell us about where the Big Ten is in trying to close the gap on what is the preeminent conference in college football, no question about it. Yes, so for the 17th straight year, the SEC had the most players taken in the NFL draft. They led the way with 62. But for the first time in five years, the team that was the conference that was second was within single digits of the SEC. That was the Big Ten with 55 players selected. This is also the fewest number of draft picks for the SEC since 2018, five years ago. Now, the interesting thing was in 2018 and 2017, the conference that was closest to the SEC was actually the ACC, which this was Pete Dabo Sweeney. Florida State still had some residue left over from the Jimbo Fisher years of those of those ACC title teams. But now... This is the closest any conference has come to the SEC since 2016, which that year the Big Ten came within four players of the SEC. It was 51 to 47. I don't know what happened, Dave, in t- starting in like 2019, but at the turn of this decade that we're in now, that's when the SEC just took their dominance to another level. And they, they lapped the field. This is the first year since that since the turn of the decade, I call it the COVID decade, that you would say that, okay, maybe – the SEC is not lapping the Big Ten anymore. The gap is narrowing. Now, everybody else after the Big Ten, I don't think anybody else had more than 30 players drafted. So it's the SEC, Big Ten, a close second, and then a massive drop-off after that. I mean, fueling your point that there's only two conferences that should matter in the sport right now. Why do you think that is? If they are closing the gap, why do you think that is? I think Jim Harbaugh is has been recruiting at a very successful level at Michigan 
James Franklin is actually starting to corner a lot of the Maryland DMV market. Obviously, Ohio State is Ohio State's Ohio State. They're turning out NFL talent no matter what. I think at some of the smaller schools like Maryland is recruiting well under Mike Loxley. They're actually getting a lot of Mar- a lot of DMV talent to stay in Maryland as opposed to going across the rest of the country. So I think that had something to do with it. As far as the and also you have to remember, so a lot of schools in the SEC have been in influx recently. I we know Alabama, we know Alabama, we, and we know Georgia. We know those two schools, but LSU just fired Ed Orgeron. Tennessee's two years removed from firing Jimmy Pruitt. Florida's a year removed from firing Dan Mullen. I, you know, so there was a lot of there were a lot of programs that Auburn is a year removed from or two years removed from firing Gus Malzahn, and then just fired Brian Harson. So I think there's been less stability among a lot of the SEC powerhouse programs in recent years. And there has been among the, the three top dogs in the big 10, which is Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state, though all three of those programs have had a pretty healthy level of stability the last ever since Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin came into the league. And so I think that's why that is. I think James Franklin is, is a big part of it um, because he had ties into the sec and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think that his ties into the sec has helped him recruit. I should say Southeast. His recruiting ties has helped him recruit in the Southeast. Um, but should anybody be worried if you want to point to the the game that Ohio State probably should have won uh, in in the Peach Bowl? Georgia beat them forty two to forty one and had to hold on. I look at that game and I don't want to point to one game as setting the standard. I think that's more of an aberration. I think that Georgia showed up flat. I don't know how you show up flat. But I think they were overly confident uh, in in that game. How much do you place on that particular game as the Big Ten has closed the gap, if at all? Not much, because I never thought there was too much of a gap between Ohio State and the top teams in the SEC with the talent level they recruit. I've always felt that if there was one SEC caliber team in the Big Ten, it's Ohio State, because they, they have a little LSU thing going where they're in a state that's top five in the country in NFL talent, and they're the only top dog in that state. Y'all y'all can say Cincinnati now becoming power five. Don't make me laugh. Does anybody think a kid in Ohio is choosing Cincinnati over Ohio State? No, if I were to argue against your LSU comparison, I would say that Penn State and Michigan are so close and they get into Ohio a lot. You could say the same thing. Again, I've said it but- you could say the same thing about LSU with Texas or Ole Miss or Mississippi State, but it's just not the same. I've covered recruiting. You're going to have to take my word for it. The kids that want to go to LSU that or the kids that LSU wants go to LSU in the state of Louisiana. They just do. That's why Jansen Jackson going way back was an absolute stunner when Lane Kiffin pulled him out of Louisiana. We now know there may be some, some backstories about that. So, if Which the has to do with many Louisiana kids, I've read about this. Apparently, they don't have any family that's ever left that state. Whereas kids in Ohio, kids in California, particularly kids of African-American descent, we talk about the Great Migration, they naturally don't have their whole families from Ohio or California. Louisiana kids, a lot of times, whole families from there. Yeah. I mean, the the, the bottom line is um, with with – with LSU more than any other state, and I've said this before, you're going to keep those uh, kids. So if the SEC is an A+, plus, what is 
the Big Ten. And I think we would agree, right, that the SEC is an A-plus based off what they've done over the past decade-plus? Yeah, what they've done over the past 20 years. Okay. A-plus. It's been great so for them. hasn't been great for college football. <laughs> probably. Um, so the SEC is an A-plus. What is the Big Ten? I'll ask you that. Craft Treats, go to crafttreats.com. Use a promo code off the hook. Again, off the hook, get 20% off the chill pills or any of their fine products. With the chill pills, they've got CBD in them that will help with your dog's digestive issues. They'll help with arthritis. They'll help with all kinds of issues, including anxiety. The yip yips. We got July 4th coming up. Fireworks go off. Yip yip. That's my dog. Uh, crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook. The promo code off the hook at crafttreats.com. You'll be glad. You did. So if the SEC is an A plus, what's the Big Ten? This year I would actually say it was an A minus, but right now I'd still say B plus overall because you got to do it more than one year. I think they're going to. I gotta be honest, but I'd say B plus. I think the Big Ten is a little top heavy. I will say this. The Big Ten East may be tougher than either division in the SEC. I mean, I, there's a very good argument that the Big top Ten top to bottom. Yes, top to bottom. I mean, I would say there's a very strong argument to, that the Big Ten East is tougher than either division in the SEC. The Big Ten is not as tough as the SEC, though. I would say this for people saying, should the SEC be worried or anything like that? If you are if you are worried about the future of college football, and I don't care whether or not you want what Dave wants, which is the 140-50 super team conference, or you want what I want, which is more still more equity equitable distribution of teams across the country – Guys, it hasn't been good for the sport for the SEC to be this dominant. It's been good for the SEC. It's been a it's been great for the SEC, and it's been a lot of fun. I'm not denying the SEC is the most dominant conference and laps everybody else, but it has not been good for the sport. It's not even if you're an SEC homer, you used to enjoy watching those late night Pac-12 games, feeling like there was some some meaning behind those games ten years ago. There's no meaning behind those games anymore. Who watches one of those games and cares anymore? Caleb. I love you and respect you, but I 100% disagree. I think the SEC has been the New England Patriots of college football. That wasn't and good for the NFL. I think that was. You had a team to root against for. You either rooted for the Patriots because you're a bandwagon fan or you grew up watching them or for whatever reason or you're from New England or John Pennington of the Sports Source. He was a Stanley Morgan fan from Tennessee. You've got your reasons or you are a bandwagon guy. And to root against someone, to me, is passion. I sure as heck wanted to see them lose the Super Bowl and not finish the season undefeated. That was one of my favorite Super Bowls of all time. So I think that you've got fans out there in the Big Ten that love it. If Ohio State would have beat Georgia, they'd have been like, yeah, got you. And that would have been something. But uh, Caleb, I don't think that – I disagree with you. I think it's awesome to have a villain, and the SEC is the villain. Yeah, but the SEC is a comp- – okay, you would be right if, like, one team was a villain, like Alabama, because people do root against uh, Alabama a lot. Alabama's been pretty close. Yes, Alabama as a villain is fun. But here's the – here's the problem is that – okay – in the NFL, yes, you're rooting for the Patriots to lose, but you still have a favorite team. So, okay, you're a Cowboy fan. You know, it's funny to say, but you, no matter what NFL team you root for, there is, like, hope on the horizon that you could win the Super Bowl one day. Like, you actually have a relevant NFL – like, you, every NFL team, there's hope on the horizon somewhere. 
the problem with what's happened with the SEC is not that they're the villain. It's not the dominance or the dynasty. It's that they've consolidated. They've been so dominant. And the recruiting in the South is so much better than everywhere in the country. The football in the South is so much better than everywhere in the country. And the college football playoff and the expanded playoff actually more nationalizes it and more exposes how dominant the SEC is. It's funny that the other conferences wanted the playoff because it's doing the exact opposite of what they wanted. But it's it's actually rendered college football irrelevant to a lot of fan bases that somewhat had hope. I mean, I can tell you this right now. I, I, I don't know if Oregon fans are going to care as much about college football in the future. Oregon's never going to be able to compete with the SEC. I don't care how exciting they are as a program. They will never compete with the SEC. But they don't care like SEC fans already. They cared enough. They had. They don't care like SEC fans already because they know, unlike SEC fans, that their team never has a chance. And that's the thing. I'm sorry, it's regionalized. There are better high school prospects out of the South. There's but not in Oregon. They care about their track program, for the love of goodness sake. It's good. Okay, so Ohio State knows they have a chance. Look, I think long term, you're in danger of Michigan not caring that much, Dave. I don't care about football. Dave, Michigan has half a national championship the last 70 years. They're the most overrated program in any sport. We talked about Michigan going into Ohio. That's all they can do. They don't, they can't recruit at the level of Ohio State. They just can't. And I mean, had Michigan played Georgia this past year, had they gotten past TCU, Georgia would have done to Michigan what they did to TCU. I agree. And I think that's good. I think, I think that. So um, then just okay, let's let let's throw the Big Ten out. Let's just invite Ohio State in and separate from the rest of the country. Don't even let Michigan or Penn State in. Okay, would would Ohio State because this post on the message board, would Ohio State and Michigan well, let me just get to four downs right now. Four downs is now. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Four downs. Is the Big Ten catching up to the SEC based off what you saw in this last recruiting cycle and the Georgia-Ohio State game? Yes or no? No. No. I think this is – it's because, it's more about stability that the Big Ten is having right now versus the SEC had a lot of influx of coaches the last couple of years. Agreed. What makes the SEC better than the Big Ten? Recruiting. Easy. I mean, the high school football. I mean, if you take the top six high school football states, one is California, the other is Ohio, and then the other four are in SEC country. And so, yeah, recruiting. That was second down. It It is recruiting, but it's somewhat coaches. Who's the third best coach in the Big Ten? I'll, I'll give you – I mean, Ryan Day, Harbaugh, are those one and two based off results? Who's three? I don't James? think Ryan Day is the top five coach in the Big Ten. Well, but based off what he's done, you have to give it to him. I've seen I don't do that. I never do that. I've never been one to do that because you and I could do that at Ohio State. It's an easy job. I agree. So who's the third best coach in, in the Big Ten? <sighs> okay, third best. Let's look at this. Well, now that he's there, I'm going Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. Okay. Um Okay, who's the third best coach in the SEC? There's Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Brian Kelly. You think Josh Heupel over Brian Kelly? Uh, coin flip. I like Brian Kelly a lot like you. Coin flip, I would take either over Luke Fickle. 
Yeah, I would too. I would too. I mean, so coaching is a secondary, but it is recruiting. You're right. But coaching is not far behind. Um, third down. Will the Big Ten ever catch the SEC? I think I know your answer is probably no. No, mainly because the Big Ten, have you noticed? The Big Ten got caught flat-footed with NIL. Not one of the Big Ten programs is top five in NIL initiatives, which threw me off. All right, most importantly, fourth down, this is a possession down. How would Ohio State do if they were suddenly in the SEC? They would do what, I mean, on a 20-year scale, they would do what Alabama, Georgia, or LSU does. Now, I don't mean like Alabama six national titles, not Alabama. Take, let me take that back. Okay. On a 20-year scale, they would do what Georgia or LSU does. A couple of national titles, few conference titles. I mean, Ohio State is on that level as a program. If you look at like like people that are like, oh my gosh, Ohio State would you know barely be 500 in the No, they would usually win nine or 10 games a year in the SEC. I agree. I think they'd maybe have a championship or two. Um, but I'm I'm not so sure that they wouldn't get beaten down by the week to week play of the SEC. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that that would affect them in the playoffs and they would fall short in the playoffs because I think they are a healthier football team because of who they play. As the message board said, SEC just hits different. Yeah, yeah. but Ohio State's not Clemson. Clemson was not that deep, guys. Ohio State is the one. They are deep like an SEC team if you look at the talent on that team. So, would, no, they wouldn't win the – what is it? They won the Big Ten like five years or six years in a row? That ain't happening in the SEC. Okay, that's not happening. That doesn't mean that they wouldn't be able, like you said, to win a national title here or there. Again, to do what LSU does. They would do what LSU does. LSU sneaks in a national title every few years. Okay, I'm going to ask you what LSU would do in the Big Ten. It's brought to you by Vassie Lawn and Garden. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Vassie Lawn and Garden, industrial and commercial mowers right there in Cleveland, Tennessee. Worth the drive from Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga. Vassie Lawn and Garden. Go to Vassie.com to learn more. With their buying power, they will save you money. I can promise you that. Vassie Lawn and Garden. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Toro, count on it. So what would LSU or Tennessee for instance, do in the Big Ten. Let's, because both of those, I believe, are up-and-coming programs where the ceiling has not yet been reached by their respective coaches. So if they were in the Big Ten tomorrow, how would they compete? Please hit the like button. And if you haven't subscribed, appreciate it. Love sharing as well. Hit the retweet if you can. So what would they do in the SEC, or in the Big Ten, excuse me? Okay, is this assuming Ohio State and Michigan are both still in the Big Ten, both of them, or is this this is yes? And okay. this is and this is LSU Tennessee making the move tomorrow to the Big Ten. So yes. you have a you have both programs on the rise. What would they do in the Big Ten over the next five ten years? Stretch it out however you, long you want. LSU in the Big Ten over five to ten years would win four to seven at Big Ten titles in two. <laughs> no, what about, I think Tennessee would too. I think Tennessee would do a little, a lot less than that. I think Tennessee would do somewhere they wouldn't do as well as Ohio State has done in the Big Ten, but they do better than Michigan has done. Like I don't think Tennessee can. Now again, this is Ohio State with okay. This is a little unfair because Tennessee has a much better coach than Ohio State does between Josh Heupel and Ryan Day. Here's the question: What would Josh Heupel do at Ohio State? Josh Heupel would do more than Ryan Day. I agree. So if Josh Heupel's at Ohio State and Ohio State's in the SEC. 
guys, I'm sorry. Y'all can hate me all day. Josh Heupel, if Ohio State's in the SEC and Tennessee's in the SEC and they have uh, and they have coaches of the exact same intellect, Ohio State does better than Tennessee. They just do. They're just a they, they, they're in a better recruiting ground. Ohio State's a top three job in America. It's Georgia, LSU, Ohio State. Those three jobs. I don't th- I, I, I can't. I'll jive with you that those are the top three jobs, but I don't think the next step is a significant fall off. So I think Tennessee can absolutely recruit with the best of them. And people, that sounds crazy for somebody if you just came from Mars and looked at at the recruiting territories. But I think Tennessee with Atlanta and, and all that nearby and now Nashville, I think they can recruit – with the best of them. And I think that's going to prove out as Josh Heifel continues to lay this foundation. Natural recruits are scrubs. Y'all heard it here first. They, they're well, terrible. <laughs> yeah, but I, I still think that's going to change, man. I really do. And I've been saying that for a few years, so I, I may prove to be an absolute idiot at that, but I, I do believe that that's going to be the case. So, And there's too much I competition think- in Atlanta. It's not like Tennessee can't get Atlanta, but you got to fight with Alabama, Georgia, now South Carolina, because they're out recruiting Tennessee at the moment as we speak. Clemson. Well, uh, we have somebody that's uh, agreeing with you, but uh, the wise man says, Caleb, things are changing, and they are. I I, I believe that uh, the television contracts will have a lot to do, and you and I disagree on who got the better one, um, will have a lot to do with how these teams evolve into the future. Hendon Hooker is projected to be the starter by one well-known analyst and uh, want to get to that. Or I'm sorry, uh, I said the wrong name. Did I say Hendon Hooker? My bad. Running them together. It is Nico is projected to be the starter by one well-known college football analyst. That's up next in Two minutes. We'll talk. Nico. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your bed. Craven Wings has the cleanest, healthiest wings in town. We pride ourselves on our slogan, always fresh, never frozen. Come try us and discover the difference yourself. New location now open at the Markets at Chodo. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. 
Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vassy's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vassy Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. So if you can, Caleb, give me Barrett Slee's take on uh, one Nico being a starter to start this season. I've said I thought it's possible after August, but I don't think it's possible at the start of the season. Um, Tell me what Barrett Salih of CBS Sports said. This is what Barrett Salih, he calls these his SEC spring football overreactions. And it's Nico Iamaliava will win the battle for starting QB and become a star. And he says the hotshot quarterback who enrolled early looked like a star in the spring game, went 8 of 16 for 112 yards, and dropped several dimes that looked more like NFL throws than those of a freshman. That completion percentage should have been much higher due to several drops. Fellow contender Joe Milton III won't be consistent during fall camp. And coach Josh Heupel will insert his prize prospect into the top spot on the depth chart in the opener versus Virginia. And Iamaliava won't look back. He will become a star. Iamaliava is not going to be the starter. And I realize these are overreactions and these are supposed to get us talking. And I get that. He's not going to be the starter this season. I will still, but I'm going to hedge my bet just a little bit. I still would not be surprised if he won the starting job. But I'm not going to say that I think it will happen. I did before talking to some people during and after spring camp. Uh, Barring an injury, I think Joe Milton completes the season as the starter, but I wouldn't be surprised. Would it be fair to say you would be surprised if Nico Iamalava, if if he is the eventual starter? Remind me how to say that, Nico. Iamalava. Iamalava. Would I you? would be next level shocked. Honestly, if, really? he were going to, if, you, if, if he's a starter in, in, in the opener, if you were going to do an overreaction, you would actually do the other one because Nico Iamaliava, I don't think it's a big deal because I think he was learning and developing and it was just his first spring, but he didn't blow you away during spring ball. I think the shocking thing was that Joe Milton, to every reporter that was there, and Josh Ward told us about this, was firmly ahead of Nico the entire spring camp. It was very clear that he was better. And I thought Nico was going to be ready to compete with him on day one. He wasn't. So if you're going to do an overreaction, which I wouldn't react this way either, but if you were going to do an overreaction, the overreaction is that Nico Yamaliava is a bust. Now that's not the accurate take, but I mean, it based on spring ball, uh, it, the overreaction is closer to him being a bust than him starting for Virginia. So message board says the spring game uh, tamed the Milton hate from Dave. I never had Milton hate, but I'm going to tell you what I was told by somebody very close to the situation 
why I've changed my tune just a little bit. And portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. Integrity matters. 50 years in the HVAC business there in Knoxville. You might not need a new unit that's going to cost thousands. You can get a unit repaired or maybe just need some coolant. City Heating and Air Conditioning, Integrity Matters, cityheatandair.com. Caleb, I believe that uh, Nico will not be the starter because of something that somebody very close to the situation told me. Nico showed up on campus and it got Joe Milton's attention. Okay. When he showed up in December, it's like, whoa, uh, this guy's pretty good and living up to the hype. And I believe that was enough to get Joe Milton's attention based off what I was told from somebody very, very, very close to the situation. So if there was any lackadaisical approach that Milton might have heading into spring camp and off-season workouts, which nobody suggested there would be, but if there was any of that, that was gone the moment he saw Nico. And that was also gone the moment he saw Anthony Richardson go with the third pick in the NFL draft, and he can mimic that. So that's why I've hedged my bets. Spring game, a part of it, but I I don't believe in any shape, form, or fashion that that Nico's going to start the season. In fact, I don't think he starts at all this season, barring injury. But unlike you, I wouldn't be shocked I would be mildly surprised. So I'm hedging my bets a little bit. That's fine. I I I I would I would I would be shocked. The thing that throws me off is Dave, can I go through these? I kind of agree with a lot of Barrett Sally's over other other overreactions though. Yeah, let me let me address a couple of things that's been put on the message board. This concerns me. I'm I'm going to be real honest with you, and it's a great point by SEC scout guy. Uh, this poor kid has so much hype on him with all the NIL money speculation and people saying Heisman, uh, if he is just an above-average quarterback, people are going to say he's a bust. You're right. If he's Joshua Dobbs, it's going to be a disappointment, and that is completely unfair. No, it's not. Great quarterbacks live up to that hype. Peyton Manning was a four-year Heisman favorite when he arrived at Tennessee. Didn't win it. No one says he was a bust. And then he was the number one draft pick and expected to live up to that. No one had more pressure than Peyton Manning as a quarterback. Okay, so to the message board, if if he if he mimics Joshua Dobbs' career, are you happy with that? Oh, oh, wait, that's a different question. We were talking about whether or not it's unfair to him that he has to live up to that he has these expectations. Well, it's unfair if he's looked at as a disappointment and he has Joshua Dobbs's career. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It is. It's not. Joshua Dobbs was a three star in, for the record, had a pretty good career, but I Joshua agree. Dobbs, we're not considering. Joshua Dobbs has to, you have to make a case for him as a top five quarterback in Tennessee history. Nico had better be a top five quarterback in Tennessee football history when he's done. Top five quarterback in it in Tennessee history. Is he a disappointment if he's not a top five quarterback in Tennessee football history? Yes. I think, I think that's unfair. No, it's not. I, I think top 10. I'll give you top 10. And uh, are you a EA Ma believer? Do you believe in Guys, the- I have. Let, this is- let me ask the message board real quick and on Twitter as well. And go ahead and tell me. Is it a disappointment if 
Nico has the exact same career that Joshua Dobbs has. I'm not talking about wins and losses. I'm talking about completions. I'm talking about touchdown passes. I'm, I'm talking about his ability to perform in the clutch. All of that, which Dobbs had with a terrible coach, so you would think he would have an upend uh, upside that would be even better. That's not that's not a disappointment if he has Joshua Dobbs' career. That's exactly the point you just made, though. If he has Joshua Dobbs' career when he had Josh Heupel coaching him, whereas Josh Dobbs had that career with Butch Jones coaching him, I mean, that's a disappointment, Dave. Like, this is – when Tim Tebow was at Florida, you were covering college football at the time. You remember how hyped of a recruit Tim Tebow was, right? Yes. Would it not have been a disappointment if Tim Tebow was not one of the greatest quarterbacks in Florida history? Yes. He was – Yes, he was kind of like LeBron. I mean, we heard about him when he was like a sophomore. Nico to Heupel is like that. Not Nico just in general going to college, but Nico to Heupel is just like that. Man, you're playing in a system designed for him. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned. I I mean, uh SC scout guy says, honestly, I think it would be sort of a disappointment considering what we have seen of him so far. That is so, so tough. So, so tough, Caleb, on, on a young man. For him to be able to, to live up to that hype, you're talking top five quarterbacks of all time. So what do we, what do we got top five quarterbacks? We got uh, obviously number Manning. What? I say, yeah, number one is Manning. is obvious, Yeah. Yeah. I would say Manning, Schuler, Condridge, Hooker, Dobbs, um, Casey. Yeah, I would put I would put Clawson over Dobbs. Yeah, I, okay. So Dobbs isn't even top five now. And right. So so if 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 Nico slides in there at that sixth spot above Dobbs, but behind Clawson, Condridge, Manning, Schuler, I'm forgetting some. Body calls Clawson, Condridge, Manning, Schuler, and Hooker. Okay, if he slips in there at six, you take that right now to the bank. You take it, but that's not what you expect from him. I expect him to be better than Hooker. Okay, I'm very clear on that. He, if, if Hooker can do this in Josh Heupel's offense, Nico can. He's a better fit for the offense. I expect him to be better than. Who who else did who else did I expect him to be better than Casey? Largely because Casey was labored under Randy Sanders, but Casey only completed like fifty five percent of his passes his last year in two thousand three. Well, the Wiseman's reading my mind. I think we're discounting Andy Kelly a little bit. I think Andy Kelly. I think Andy Kelly was a great leader and a clutch player. Go back and look at the talent Andy Kelly had. He was pretty 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 insane. We could have thrown to those receivers. Click that like button. Uh, be a part of the program. If you haven't subscribed, please do that. Uh, SC Scout Guy again says, and I love the fact that we've got, you know, we're, we're considered a Tennessee program, but we're we're SEC is the bottom line. And I love the fact that we get uh, listeners and viewers from other schools. He says, this all reminds me of the hype that Clowney had, Jadavion Clowney. He is still the highest rated defensive recruit in Rivals history. I, yeah. Same thing. I mean, Jadavion Clowney, um, it was almost as if he didn't have 18 to 20 sacks a season. He was going to be disappoint, uh, disappointment. Um, and and he's a very solid player. And I, I thought, thought he was very good. Obviously, he was drafted high in the NFL. He lived up to the hype. But 
Was he Will Anderson? No, I don't think he was. Well, there's a okay, but Anderson. We have to be fair with Jadavion. Now, NFL, I'm not talking about Nico's NFL career because we're talking just college. Okay, Jadavion in college, 2012, he was Will Anderson. Look at what he did in 2012. He should have been a Heisman contender. He wasn't as good against the run, and I, I don't want to get into the, the, the minutia of football, but I think Will Anderson is much better than Clowney. But Clowney is going to get more pub because he's better rushing the passer. Okay, well, what happened in Clowney's junior year, 2013, if we're forgetting, his, he had a massive drop-off from 2012 in his stats. Well, if you know South Carolina, and if to get a little more into the minutia, South Carolina was limited defensively. So, and he's a defensive end. You can run away from him. You can play on the other side. And so they literally designed their offenses, most teams, to make sure Clowney couldn't be as effective. They paid for that. South Carolina. So Clowney was more of a decoy his last year. That still worked. South Carolina had the best season in history because Clowney literally shut down one side of the field. This is like, I don't know, Deion Sanders' interception totals would drop his last few years with the Cowboys because you weren't throwing his way. And so Clowney was that with South Carolina. It's a really good comparison, even though it's position to position. Um, It's a really good comparison. But why it's such a great comparison is you could run at Jadavion Clowney. You could run at Deion Sanders' side with sweeps, and he didn't want any part of that contact. He wasn't up to tackle. (laughs) So he didn't want anything there. So a great comparison on uh, both ends. Uh, Really do like that. And um, I just – I really like Will Anderson. I think his sack numbers are never going to be enormous, but I think he is a generational type of talent. I think Jadavion Clowney was a generational type of pass rusher. Now, there were some foot issues that kept Clowney from being at his utmost. And you know, we, I, I was talking to you and uh, Caleb Giroux, by the way, who's killing it on covering recruiting off the hooksports.com. But I – I think foot issues and toe issues are a big, monstrous, huge deal because that is where all of your power comes from. So who are we talking about that had a – we're talking about Will Levis, why he may have dropped. It could have been the big toe issue. Listen, when those things are bad going into the NFL, ask Keith Shuler. They don't usually get a lot better. And ask Deion Sanders again – that's why he eventually had to hang it up. That's where all your power comes from. So that's part of the reason why I believe Will Levis dropped as much as he did that. And he's not just, he's just not very good. Yeah. Ask Pete Manning that last year he played at Denver when he had the plantar fasciitis and was just yes. awful. Yes. Um, you, don't, you don't want any part of plantar fasciitis. You don't hey, want before to we, Before we get to the last thing though, I got to tell you, you got to tell me if you agree with any of these other overreactions by Sally. Oh, yes. Let's hit them. Oh, let's do that as a totally different segment if we can. So, um, again, I remind you that Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Hahn is where I got my eyes done. No cataracts, no uh, get. And but if I have them, I know where I'm going to Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Hahn to get that taken care of. Uh, so tell me, Caleb, uh, let's go to these uh, other overreactions. We'll probably go. A little bit long today because I want to get in this college football playoff schedule and why I don't like one aspect of it. So throw Barrett, who we'll see at SEC Media Days when we'll broadcast live in July from Nashville. Throw Barrett's takes at me. All right. 
I, I, I'm agreeing with a lot of these. That's why it's scary with the Nico thing. Fewer than 10 wins for Alabama because of the issue at quarterback. Okay, so let's go. Let's go. Real possible bull. Okay, real possible bull. That's real. Less than 10 games is real. That's real. That is straight up real. Okay. Right. Real possible bull. I think real wouldn't real impossible be the same thing. <laughs> no, real. No, no, no. Okay. Let's let's real means it's going to happen. Possible okay. means it's go, it could happen. Bull means it won't happen. I'm going real with Alabama. Fewer than 10 wins this year. Okay. I go real. All right. What else we got from Barrett? Arkansas leads the nation in total offense. <laughs> That's bull. Bull. <laughs> total bull. <laughs> I mean, it's not even. I guess he had to write something about Arkansas. Hugh Freeze develops a Heisman contender. Contender? I think that's real. Heading into the – contender for this year or heading into the 2024 season? This year. This year. I mean, he's not going to contend. Nobody's going to contend for the Heisman this year. But I I think heading into 20 – now, I will will say – Bull or possible? I'm going to go bull. I'm going to go possible. I'm going to go possible just because Hugh Freeze is mine. Billy Napier proves he's not the answer. <laughs> oh, that's very real. <laughs> that's real. That's real. Bulldogs dynasty for at least a year appears to end. They don't win the national title this year. Real. Real. I'm with you. Real. Um, Kentucky. Devin Leary proves he's a top 10 pick. That is the um, quarterback that they picked up from NC State. Uh, possible. Bull. Bull. <laughs> and it'll be further proven bull because Will Levis will be so horrible for the Titans this year that people will be scared of any Kentucky quarterback ever again. Okay, what else you got? I remind everybody, please hit that like button. Thumbs up. What do you got? All right, Barrett's reading my mind. Y'all think I'm the homer. LSU wins the national title. This year, that is bull. This year, it's possible. Okay. And I might be leaning to real, but I won't get there yet, guys. I'm not going to go there yet. Maybe, um, I'm, maybe I'm being old school, but I think it takes longer than two years to build up a program. So what else you got? I think they could be the Tennessee of 2023. I think that they could be the team that wins 10 or 11 and is is pushing, but I don't think they can win the national title this year. All right, what's next? Mississippi, Mississippi State will now make defense their identity. That's real. I agree. With Jack Arnett taking over as head coach, I think that's real too. If you um, don't have a really good offensive coach, that's the direction to go. That's what Tennessee tried to do with Pruitt, but they hired a don't. Also, right. I, I don't think it's the direction to go. I don't think it should be the direction to go unless you can recruit at a high level. And Mississippi State can't recruit at a high level because just for those who – and you understand football. If you're going to be a defensive team, then you have to win with talent more than anything yes. else okay Great. so here we go missouri wide receiver luther burden the third wins the Bolitnikoff. bull total bull yeah okay total. what's next the rebels will come undone because they don't have their quarterback situation figured out uh always possible because their talent level is very very shallow so, yes, that's real. I say possible because, again, it may happen, but it may not. But, okay, here we go. Ready for this? <laughs> Just to trigger everybody, Spencer Rattler wins the Heisman. 
That's bull. Yeah, that's bull. That's bull. I don't trust Spencer Rattler to continue to play the way he played at the end of last year. Yeah, and I know Barrett watches every day, so I'm not knocking you, Barrett. Love you, love you brother. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in July. So, all right, final. Uh, two more, uh, two more. Yes. Oh, we got two more? Uh, th- okay. Yeah, yeah. You how, We got to forget. Don't forget about the two teams that are going to be the two worst teams in the SEC this year, according to Caleb Calhoun. Okay. Our, our SC uh, fan says that's completely bull, and he just finished the line. <laughs> on our message board. I'm not going to say it, but you did. All right. So we got two more. Yes. Um, one of the two worst teams that, that one of the two teams that will be among the worst in the SEC this year, Texas A&M, Bobby Petrino will be let go during the season. I think that's possible. Okay. Here's why I'm saying bull. Oh, actually, no, this is real. This is real. Here's why it's real. Fisher won't fire Bobby Petrino. Fisher will just go down with the ship and he'll get fired during the middle of the season and they will fire Petrino with him. Or he's got that one final card to play to keep your job for one more year. So either way, I think it's possible. Okay, you go possible. And remember, Jimbo Fisher's an offensive coach, so he could take it over and roll with it. Like even though he was required, he was forced by the administration to hire an offensive coordinator. This is the whole reason he brought in Bobby Petrino. They told him that if you want to keep your job, you have to relinquish offensive play calling duties. <laughs> Okay, so what's the last one? We got one left. The last one is the obviously the powerhouse of the SEC, Vanderbilt, and oh their defense finishes in the top half of the SEC. It's possible. I say real outside. They play in the East outside of Tennessee. What's a what is a dominant offensive juggernaut in the East? No, I can roll with that on the offensive side too. They're pretty conservative, so they're going to shorten the game. So yeah, I can completely roll with that. Um, so moving on the college football playoff schedules come out. Why do you love it? Why do you hate it? I'm going to go ahead and say I was at a new year's Eve party and the, uh, Georgia game was on Georgia, Ohio state game. And it was new year's Eve. And we all know that the clock struck midnight, right about the time that that game was decided. Stop having the stupid game on new year's Eve, because by nature of our society, Half the people don't care because most, no offense to you, Rebecca, most are not big time college football. Most females are not big time college football fans. And they would rather go out and enjoy a New Year's Eve evening as I would. And I'm male as opposed to having to watch the clock and watch the game. And they're trying to turn this into a tradition like the NFL on Thanksgiving like the NBA on Christmas Day, it's stupid. Stop. Don't do that. Otherwise, I'm fine with the college football playoff schedule. Dave, we're going to break. I'm okay with one New Year's Eve game. Now, I'm with you with the two. This no. the, the two is annoying. No. But the one, it's not going to end at midnight. It'll end around 9, 30, 10. As long as you do it at like 7 o'clock, 10, or maybe 7 to 10, 30 time, and then you can enjoy it. I got I got to be honest. I kind of disagree with you on this because New Year's Eve. Look, the tradition of college football. You're right. It's Thanksgiving for the NFL. It's New Year's Day for college f- football. We all agree with that. Uh, but there was always. Remember back in the day before the college football playoff, before the build up to the epic New Year's Day games, there was always that one New Year's Eve game that you wanted to watch. There was always that one thrilling New Year's Eve game. We used to be the Fiesta Bowl in the 70s and the 80s. It became the Peach Bowl later. I mean, it was a nice build up like just one 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 game so they're saying okay one game for new year's eve three for new year's day guys new year's day bowl games are back new year's day football's back 
This is the best part of it. No, but here's the thing. It could be even more back, but we're trying to protect these bowl games. So put one of the bowl games on New Year's Eve and put both of the semifinals on January the 1st. At one point, Tennessee... quarterfinals, because the semifinals are actually now... Quarterfinals, yes. So at at one point, I can remember covering Tennessee in the Peach Bowl, and there was no media availability on January the 1st, and I think they played on the 2nd. Oh, I remember that. That was Clawson's last game. Yeah, so I got done with my work on Friday, drove home just so I could watch... New Year's Day bowl games back to back to back. And we smoked a bunch of meat and we had the smoker running with my friends and my wife back in Knoxville. And then I drove back on the second to go cover the game because January 1st meant that much to me. It would mean that much again if they put the quarterfinal games on January the 1st. Make it a tradition like it once was New Year's Eve is absolutely stupid. Well, wait, three of the four quarterfinal games are on January the 1st. Go ahead and make it four or four. Yeah, but they don't want any, they don't, here's the thing they don't want. They don't want any games running at the same time for these playoff games. So if you, you can't, you can't feasibly have four games in a day that they don't overlap. So what your argument would be, and I'm receptive to this, rather than make it New Year's Eve, have one game play on January the 2nd. That's cool. Yeah, primetime game. That way, a primetime game, it doesn't matter if it's a Sunday, a Monday, or what day it is. Okay, I I can get with that. I can get with that. And then the the December, make all these random New Year's Day games that we kind of like that are prestigious bowls but not part of the playoff, make all those on December the 31st. So it's like if it's your team, you can watch it. And if not, you can just casually have it on and not really care. And and then make – Set New Year's Day aside specifically for the playoff games. You agree with me on that? No other games. Just just those playoff games on New Year's Day. That makes New Year's Day epic and legendary, to quote Barney from How I Met Your Mother. I can roll with that. And I don't want to know if you watched How I Met Your Mother because that's a bad show. I did like How I Met Your Mother. I'm not going to lie. Okay, but we, we actually have to bring up the dates for everybody because I think there's a lot of things they did right for this. The For those who don't know... The playoff, the first round games will be played at campus sites and will take place Friday, December the 20th and Saturday, December the 21st. That's two weeks after the conference championship games, what, one week after the Army-Navy game, which does not deserve its own day. But Yes, yes it does. So <laughs> we're not taking a 56-day break as we did one year or it was like 46 days or something stupid between the championship week and the championship game. Uh, the conference championship week, and then the actual championship game. I'm all good for that. Bingo, yeah. bingo. Actually, meaningful football in December for college, finally. Like, I, I think you and I have both had a problem with the fact that the that college football just concedes the month of December, just gives it up, basically, which is stupid. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that change. So then so, – What else we got? The quarterfinals. So those are going to play – here's the other question for you. Those are going to be played at campus sites. Do you agree with that, or do you like neutral sites? Love campus sites. Love campus sites. Uh, I love the buy and campus sites because it's reason to go out and play hard in the final week of the season and not just say, hey, this is essentially week 17, 18 of the NFL. Totally with you on that. My question, the only thing that – the only drawback, and I want to know what you think. Now, this doesn't apply – they do this on Thanksgiving, and it doesn't seem to matter, but – a lot of schools will be out and students will be home during December 20th and 21st. Do you think that'll have any impact or do you think it doesn't matter because it's a playoff game who will drive up for it? 
I don't think it matters. I, mean, I think I can't think of a single school that could be in the running that they wouldn't pack a stadium for. True. And imagine how epic it would be if like your last day of school is that Friday and then you got a playoff game that night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, use oh. your student loan money to get a hotel room. Like me, I used my student loan money to buy a $4,000 television. I remember the, um, it was $4,500. I didn't know I could get a student loan because I was fortunate enough to get some financial benefits going to school. And I realized I could get a student loan my last semester and it was $5,200. I remember it. And they actually gave me the check and I was like, holy Hannah. And I immediately went and bought a $4,500 television. And it was 250 pounds because it was the glass tube. It was a Mitsubishi. That's what you need to do with your student loan money is you need to get a hotel and stay around campus because they kick you out of the dorms and you, you need to watch your team play in the quarterfinals. I think the colleges will be smart logistically and let people stay in their dorms if the quarterfinals are going on and they are out of school. The way, this way, the way Alabama cancels school the day of the national championship that they're in, which is smart because you know nobody's going to be in class the next day really, so they cancel school the day of and day after. I think the smart thing for colleges is just to say if you're if if our college is in the quarterfinals or in that first round and they're hosting a game, we'll we'll allow you to stay on campus in the dorm until that till the day after. They're not going to do that. Well, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> the next round of games is New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and that's where you get to the New Year's Six Bowls. All six bowls, rose, sugar, cotton, orange, fiesta, and peach. How the peach bowl got to be part of these other five legendary bowls, I don't know. I still think that's the greatest finesse of all time. Cash money. <laughs> I mean, the peach bowl has a lot of clout. Uh, has some big time, big time money people on their board. Big. Oh, I, I believe that. That's, And I mean, that's how they basically – they turned uh, Atlanta into the college football hub more than any yeah, other. I think the SEC office might move to Atlanta at one point. J-Mac said, uh, according to last year's hypothetical playoff scenario, Tennessee would have played Kansas State, and that would have been a Neyland. Is is that right? Do we know that off the top of our heads? Um, and then They would have played the 11 seed because they would have been the number six seed. Now, yeah. While, while Caleb's looking, so that's correct. While Caleb's looking, or he did look that up. So, yeah, that's absolutely correct. So, um, for those that, that hung with us till the end, we appreciate it. Hit the like button, subscribe. But we've got a, uh, a special little um, giveaway we want to do. So, as it turns out, we want to celebrate Hendon Hooker going in the draft. And we've got some Hooker shirts that, yes, that's my last name too. And they're, uh, uh, we've got those available. So, I'm going to say the first three people that post on the message board tomorrow once the show starts all you got to do is post i want a shirt and then i will reach out to you and we will uh, give you my email and we'll hook you up with a hooker shirt sizes and colors are limited but i will do my best he's caleb calhoun i'm dave hooker this has been a presentation of off the hook sports